Welcome to Forecast, the foreshadow podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through people's lives and work. I'm Josh Seligman, the editor of Foreshadow, an online literary magazine featuring work that points to the kingdom of God. With me today is Ken Deeks, an active therapist by profession, specializing in falls prevention and chair-based exercise. And not unrelated to that, Ken has also played the guitar and sung in folk clubs for around 40 years. About 14 years ago, he and two friends formed a folk club that he now leads called the Beach Band. And he's been involved in leading music for worship among local church congregations for about 30 years. Today, I'd like to speak with Ken about his experiences, both as an active therapist and in playing music. I wonder where are crossovers between the two areas? Among other things, the kingdom of God calls us into a community, a family, under the heavenly father from whom all families come. And even though much of Ken's work has been in what some might call a secular context, how might it still point to the communal nature and the healing nature of the kingdom of God? I also uh, am glad to know Ken. We, uh, we met because my wife and I were once part of a church in Manchester that Ken is a member of. So Ken, it's really great to have you here on Forecast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so if we could first maybe introduce our audience to the work that you do. Um, can, you tell, can you tell us what you do as an active therapist? I, I, I see that you're, quali you're a qualified postural stability instructor or a falls prevention instructor. So what does that mean for the layperson? Well, uh, I've evolved into that. I mean, I've taken qualifications, uh, uh, courses for that, but uh, I didn't start out as that. I was just uh, basically, um, when I first started the work, it was activities organizer working at, a, and I don't like the word, geriatric hospital, long stay hospital. But they don't, well, certainly Burton House, the one I worked at doesn't exist anymore. And I don't think they exist anymore. They get them out to nursing homes now. But uh, there were long stay wards and I was employed as an active organizer, activity organizer. And uh, I was um, employed to do a variety of things, including music, reminiscence, um, various games, um, and anything else that uh, that they needed help with. But I've, I specialized in music and reminiscence and things like that. But then after about five or six years, uh, uh, Burton House uh, was closing down and uh, we were, um, we needed to work in the community a bit more. And, uh, and of course courses uh, became available for me to do chair-based exercise and eventually falls prevention exercises. Uh, which uh, I took and became, as I say, a postural stability instructor. That's false prevention in elderly folk that have fallen, gone into hospital, recovered, and then gone home, and there's very little for them after that. So they go home having got better, but not got better um, in terms of confidence. Okay. And the more in danger of falling okay. uh, after that, because of that, and therefore they call it, that's a revolving door. So my job was basically to take them through a series of uh, course of exercises in a gym, physio gym, 
And sometimes there would be others, other elderly folk referred to me from physios and I would go through a variety of courses, uh, that, uh, a class of which I designed uh, to improve their strength, their balance and hopefully their confidence and then send them out to local exercise groups, which would continue that maintenance exercise uh, and continue that confidence, but also take them uh, to a contact in which there'd be other people as well and they wouldn't be lonely and uh, be depressed and uh, um, mm -hmm. there would be others of like mind to have just a cup of tea with and chat with and things like that. So oh, it had all the, ticked all the right boxes. Right, and so it sounds like it's not just about um, building their physical muscular strength, although that is obviously important, but you mentioned several times that their, their, their confidence needs to be restored and you use other ways like um, giving them tea or coffee. So what are some of the ways that you restore their confidence? Well, the first thing is you don't treat them as a patient. <laughs> you treat them as a person. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and you know me, Josh, you know that uh, I like a bit of a joke and a bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. And so I treat people uh, as people and have a bit of fun. Um, and I make them feel that they're, uh, uh, they're of value and that they matter to me and that they're not just a patient, though we do go through the exercises and, and they do know that I'm very serious about the exercises mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and, and um, trying to build up their confidence and stuff. But treating them as a person in that context is part of that process as well. Mm. You know, um, it's not about me and them, us and them, Right. Uh, the patient and the therapist that we're, we're, we're doing it together. And, yeah, was that something that you had to learn as you went or did you naturally bring that to your career from day one? Well, that, um, that aspect of treating them as people rather than patients. What I haven't said to you is that uh, um, uh, both before the job as an active uh, activity organizer and also during as well, I was an entertainer in old folks' homes and nursing homes, singing lots of old songs. And mm. uh, I'd, I'd stand in a room and I'd have them all around me. I wouldn't have them in rows, all around me. And I'd have a microphone around with my guitar and I'd be singing into this microphone, which was also attached to my guitar uh, with a, a cable as it was then. Of course, they've got uh, radio microphones now. But then, of course, I'd be wandering around the room and I'd be singing to people and I'd be picking up things that people say and maybe... Uh, uh, having a bit of fun with people as they were mm. saying these things so that what was happening in that context was not just an entertainer entertaining though that was what was happening but I'd be uh, we'd be having a relationship I'd be listening to what people said and all the songs I sang and I, I learned lots and lots and lots of them would be related to the thing I've heard them say somebody say okay I might have a medley of songs once once I get that thing in my head and whatever it is they've said, I'd have a medley of songs that I'd go through. Okay. Three, four, five songs. And then yeah. somebody else might say something and it'd make me think of another medley of songs because I'd built up a quite a large repertoire of old songs. So that was prior to my job with the NHS and uh, uh, for quite some time afterwards, uh, sometimes a, a Friday or a Saturday evening or a Saturday afternoon. And I learnt, and because I'm an outward person, I'm a very, um, I suppose I'm an extrovert, I like to have fun with people and have a bit of a joke with people and mm. respond to people. And, and, uh, um, and I think that was natural. I just, yeah, that was who I am. Yeah. Okay. And we often hear nowadays about 
um, an epidemic of loneliness that so many people are facing, particularly perhaps the people that you work with, um, the elderly population and people you have worked with. Um, and so it, it sounds like the, the kinds of things you're talking about, building that relationship, having fun, that, that, that seems to address the loneliness. Is that, is that true? How do you, how do you see um, loneliness being um, addressed through the work that you do? Well, in nursing homes, rest homes, and in hospital wards, as long-stay wards as they were then, uh, they were often, they were a resident and a patient. And whilst it may be different for some, they're an old person separated from wherever they come from, from their social circumstance, from their family possibly, or maybe they were on their own, you know, and they were the last and uh, the partner died or something. So uh, um, what I'm doing is I'm having a relationship with them which is about, um, um, it's, it's a humanity thing. It's about relating to somebody as a person, which I believe um, makes them feel good about themselves. Uh, I think um, if I can, uh, I'm not the best, I'm not the best singer in the world, but I had regular, regular every month with these nursing homes, I'd go to the same one every month. Uh, it was on a four week cycle type thing with all the nursing homes I used to do. And I'd go regularly mm. to them. It wasn't just a one off thing. Okay. And when I'd go, I'd know their names, right. and which chair they sat in I and, see. Uh, and uh, things that made them laugh and smile. So, and, they, so uh, they saw that you could remember them and yeah, you know, oh, yeah. building upon that relationship. Oh yeah. The most important sound I think in a person's ears is the sound of their name. Mm. If you can remember somebody's name, you've, 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 you told that person they mean something to you. Mm-hmm. Now, as I'm getting older, I wonder whether my memory is as good as it used to be. But I mean, I used to, I know I used to remember people's names and I'd go and I'd say, hello, Agnes, hello, uh, Enid or Edith or whatever it is, you know, Sally, Alice or whatever. And, uh, and I think, it didn't matter that I wasn't the best singer. I wasn't bad, but I wasn't the best singer. What I'd already done was got a relationship with that person and with the whole crowd of people in that lounge mm. because I didn't have them in lines in front of me. I had them surrounding me and I'd be walking around the room with okay. my microphone and singing to people, okay. not just to an audience, to people. Mm, yeah. People matter. And when they know that they matter to you, you've already got a relationship and they, mm. they'll, and I suppose, you know, they'll want you back mm. <laughs> because, because you've established a relationship. Yes. They'll want to see you again. Yes. Can you give an example or a story that maybe one that you, you kind of cherish um, of that kind of relationship building? Well, I was down to earth. I'm not, uh, I mean, I come from a very, uh, I mean, I mean, I know that that's not the case now, but I come from a very poor working class background. And, uh, and, and I suppose some, some of those things, you lose some things, but you don't lose some things. And, uh, and I, uh, um, I like, I, I'm down to earth with people. And, uh, and I'd be, I mean, I might say something ridiculous like there's, I mean, there used to be an expression which would say, my goodness, but like my goodness, only you might say, flaming Nora. And then there'd be somebody called Nora there. And he said, oh, sorry, Nora. And she'd laugh. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. And was but that in, planned or was that just on the spot? Well, I, 
I mean, I'd know that person's name was Noah, so I'd done that deliberately. Okay, you know gotcha. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd done that deliberately. So I'm relating with that person. And that person, yeah. that person knows they mean something to me. Mm. And or I might say something because I'm very down to earth. And somebody'd say, come in, and I'd say to them, I said, Oh, not you again. And they but the opposite meaning was conveyed in those words rather than not you again. What they heard was you matter to me. Do you know what I mean? Not, oh, I'm sick and tired of you and I don't, don't know why you're here. But because you've got that yeah, relationship, yeah. you're actually saying the opposite. The yeah. meaning is opposite. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually, you know, as an American, I, so one of the things that uh, a few people from Britain have told me is that something Americans have to get used to in living in the UK is that oftentimes you, um, British humour will um, kind of put you down, but that's actually a compliment. So that's, that's quite interesting. I never put anyone down and I never patronized anybody. Right, right. I mean, I never patronized people and I never put them down. I know what you mean when you say that, but I'm, what I'm saying is the kind of humor that, uh, oh, good grief, not you. Yes. But they yeah. know that you mean the opposite. You love them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, they were, and there was, I'll say what well, this, you might find this a bit extreme, but one lady, one lady, so I said, I'll see you next time because I went every month and she said, if I'm still here, meaning if I've, if I've not died, she said, I said, I'll see you next month. She said, if I'm still here. And I said, you die and I'll kill you. <laughs> and okay. she laughed. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she laughed. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm. I mean, when you've got a relationship, a loving relationship with people, you're not going to be abusive. Yeah, I hope you wouldn't be abusive. And I certainly wouldn't be. But you can say things uh, in the family to your loved ones that they know means the opposite yeah mm. oh josh not you again and you know i don't mean that because you know you have a relationship with me that i care for you and that you matter to me do you know what i'm saying yeah and you carry that with you yeah through the week and in these nursing homes and rest homes and in hospital these people are on their own they may not they may not have family but uh, they and, and they might even be a very difficult person because not all old ladies and gentlemen are all sweet and angelic. I've been hit on the head with a, mac, uh, with a maraca before today. <laughs> but what I'm saying, they're not all angelic, but they are people of value. And the nurses and staff will tell you that you've affected them the whole day by the yeah. way you've related to that person, the way you treated that person, the way you treated that person as a whole human being. And, uh, and, and they matter to you. Mm -hmm. That person carries it through the, through the day, sometimes through the week. It might be the only person that uh, they have in their life that matters to them, and you've done it. And, uh, and I have to say something else. I mean, in, an, in a proper way, I would uh, go around the room, and I'd talk, before I'd start, and I'd make sure I say hello to every person there, and I'd re remember their names, and I'd take their hand. And if it was a lady, I'd take their hand, if it was appropriate, and you knew that that was the case, because you can tell these things. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes, you know, give a hug to somebody that needed it, that, you've, that you knew it was okay to do that with. And so, and, and I remember when I did some work in, as part of my job for the NHS in a nursing home, and they'd got some, uh, there was a, a, a contagion of impetigo, and they'd got all sorts of things, and it didn't stop me getting alongside the residents. Wow. And okay. it didn't stop me getting alongside the residents. Uh, and it didn't stop me getting close to them. It didn't hmm. stop me. And, and I had obviously had to have cream on myself as well. Okay. 
obviously, you know, and these kind of things. But the, the, I know that the uh, nursing home manager actually complimented me on that. Now, I'm not telling you that because I think I'm a wonderful person. It just, I just, it just, that was just what I would did, I would do naturally, you know. Now, obviously, under the current pandemic, there are circumstances you have to, I mean, you have to take certain precautions, you have to yeah. social distance, all the rest of it. And it's a very different matter. Uh, 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 and I would obviously follow those um, uh, protocols. But but then it seemed to me it was a kind of thing that you'd come out in little spots and, of course, a bit of cream. Okay. It wasn't a world pandemic. So I could make that uh, educated decision, if you know what I mean. And I yeah. chose to do that. And that's... Because they were more isolated. What a, and, what a powerful example of um, following Jesus. Because isn't that what Jesus did when... Uh, when in his earthly ministry, he touched the untouchable and and uh, brought his presence and brought people around those that had been excluded and um, alienated by society. Yes, but I can't pretend that I was thinking as very grandly as that. I right. mean, that's, that's just what I did. Yeah, yeah. You when mentioned that. Yeah, sorry. That, no, you carry on, please. Oh, well, you mentioned the pandemic and, and I'm wondering what your work looks like now with chair-based exercises uh, with, um, with the pandemic. How, how has that changed? How are you able to establish that humanity connection um, in the midst of lockdown? Well, straight away, my job came to an end. Uh, uh, I mean, you haven't asked me, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, but I did, uh, in, the, in the course of my job, stroke clubs and, uh, and dementia clubs. And in the dementia club, for example, uh, uh, um, you know, it was as much for the carers of the person with dementia as it was for the person with dementia who could follow instructions when we were doing chair-based exercise uh, and still do it in the moment. They might not remember the next hour or next day, but they would do them in the moment because you're there with them doing it. And as we know, they know the benefits of exercise uh, for the person psychologically and physically and so on. So that was good. And that was also good for the, for the carers. In the stroke club, of course, uh, the person with stroke would be doing these exercises and realizing they could do um, uh, certain exercises that were adapted to their particular stroke condition. And you could still do stuff which could make them stronger in some cases, as I said, I think I said to you in some information I sent you, that some cases there would be some kind of measure of recovery for some people, not everybody. And it would depend on the stroke because almost every stroke is different. But the thing is chair exercise, um, to exercise had to stop once the pandemic, once we, we got the call to lock down, simply because I can't get a group of people together in a room for obvious reasons. And so I couldn't do that job. And for, for a while, I, I, I couldn't do, I was, I suppose I was informally um, furloughed, I suppose. It wasn't a formal furlough, but I was informally furloughed. And until of course they found something I could do, which is nothing to do with my work at the moment. Um, uh, which is a very different thing. I'm working for the uh, health and well-being um, staff, health and well-being department, and uh, and I'm just doing stuff administrative for them and putting all sorts of uh, staff patient documents onto a secure system. Mm -hmm. But then I'll get back to my work once that gets uh, once everything returns to normal. But I do do a chair-based exercise mm -hmm. now on Zoom. And, uh, and that's my local church. Uh, well, actually, I suggested it to my local church, and they thought it was mm -hmm. a good idea. And it was this morning, Monday mornings at 10.30. 
and I have a regular uh, group of six and this morning I had eight uh, people, two new people who were not from the church, people who uh, uh, got to know through one of the uh, participants and they came and uh, they were made to feel welcome and they did the exercises and the, the, they've indicated that they want to continue coming, which is a great thing. Yeah. So if you want to think in evangelical terms, um, just making those few, just doing the exercise group with no outward religious uh, um, uh, requirement, just doing the exercises. And I did declare that I was representing the Church of the Nazarene and that I was qualified and worked for the NHS. And these people did the exercise. I did at least that, but they know that. And then the exercises we do. And then, of course, um, they enjoyed them and said they wanted to come again. So that's that's evangelical. That is um, that is caring for people because these people are in their houses and uh, uh, the best they're doing is getting into Zoom groups, which some of them are more successfully than others. Uh, and uh, uh, for some, that means that they're less lonely. But you can't, you can never replace uh, the physical mm -hmm. contact or the, the, the contact with others in a single space, mm -hmm. a room. It's the best we can do. Right. And, uh, uh, and, uh, but it, and it won't ever be as good as getting in that same room with people. But it's the next best thing under the circumstances that we have. So um, I make them feel welcome and they're going to hopefully come back, you know, and that's, that's got to be attracting people. Yeah. Uh, to not, well, uh, to, to, to the exercises. Yes. But to us as an ordinary, normal people who are people of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're providing, on, on various levels, you're providing something that they're benefiting from it. But more than that, not just a um, you know provider-patient relationship, but a, but I but knowing you, you're also connecting with them with oh, yeah. their humanity. Oh, yeah. But how does that look over Zoom? How are you able to do that? Well, given the this morning, I mean, I use because I play in a Kaylee band, I play a, a, a folk band, the Beach Band, and I also been doing that for a number of years. Uh, you may want to talk about that in a bit, but well, just for now, because I do that. I play a lot of uh, traditional folk tunes and, uh, and I don't play them on the guitar, but I have recordings of that. And uh, that's what I use to do the exercises when we're sitting down doing a, a, a sitting march. And by the way, it's all on chairs so that anyone who joins is safe, that nobody's going to stand up and potentially fall anywhere. They're on a chair, like a dining chair. Everything's adapted on a chair. And when we're doing a marching thing to get the leg muscles moving, I'm using uh Kaylee tunes uh folk band tunes okay. that are rhythmic in six eight or eight eight uh, four okay. four or whatever it is and the you know the rhythm encourages the exercise and i think <laughs> if i may say it this way it's almost excuse the expression it's almost like a bit of a con job you're doing more exercise than you realize because you're enjoying it okay okay so the, so the music helps people to enjoy the experience and and are you saying also that that connects to you, you connects it does you, on a human level one, with them? Yeah, because one person, a new person said to me, he said, uh, 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 you, you like Kaylee music, he said. And he means a Kaylee band. It's not Kaylee, it's what a Kaylee band plays. But, and I said, yes. And then I said, have you got a little bit of Irish in you? He said, yes, and a bit of Scottish, he said. 
And there was that connection with him. He clearly mm. liked that kind of thing. So, yes, it's a relationship with that person, even across uh, Zoom. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and he he enjoyed it. And if you, well, I remember when I did, I was doing uh, ward ward groups as well that physios would uh, refer people to as well. I, I didn't mention that ward groups in the hospital, uh, and I don't obviously don't do them now, but. Uh, you'd get about six or 10 people around sat in a circle doing these chair-based exercises and I'm playing this folk music and it's diddly, 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 you know, and you'd see the, past the doorway of the day room, the nurse is skipping by to the music. <laughs> and what I'm saying is not everybody likes it, but for the purposes, and you can use any rhythmic music, by the way, for exercise, chair-based exercise, but because of my interesting because i play it because i play it in a beach band i use that music regularly and it's a happy music generally speaking and uh, it makes people want to skip so mm. it makes them want to dance so it makes them want to exercise which is what dance is anyway so they're enjoying the music even if they don't play it the rest of the week they're enjoying the music they're enjoying the exercise and as one person said uh, today he said I've got some exercises from this organization. I don't know what it was. He said, uh, and I've got this and I've got that and I've got that. And I said, it's nothing like what I've had to do today. You know, he said, I've done a lot, a lot more than that today. And he didn't know he was doing that lot more. Okay, if you know. I see. Yeah. Because he was enjoying it. Yeah. Hmm. So joy somehow bring kind of distracts you from the pain of, of exercise or what can be seen as pain uh, at times. Well, yeah, well, the joy of music. Never, pain, <laughs> no, um, no, I have to, I have to, I apologize for saying this, but I have to correct you. No, don't apologize. The notion of no pain, no gain is a lot of tosh <laughs> because if you're feeling pain, it tells you something and you should stop. And one of the, one of the key safety things I will say to people is apart from that, I'm qualified to do this and they've got the chair that keeps them safe. They can't fall off is, if anything causes you a new pain, you must stop. Okay, you have a rest. You might try it again later. And if it still does that, you might want to see a physio or a doctor or somebody or other about that possibility. It might be something else. But pain is no gain. And the notion of working through the pain barrier is absolute nonsense to me. You don't work through any pain barrier. If you have a pain, you need to get it checked out. And, mm. uh, and if it continues, you need to get it checked out. But Feeling an aching because you're doing things, that's natural right. because you're using muscles. Right. And if you ache the next day, that's aching. That's not pain. So I won't have pain anywhere near what I'm doing. And I will say this many times and even through an exercise session, if anything hurts, stop. Okay. You're in charge of what you do. You're on a chair so you're safe. I'm not going to ask you to do anything really that you can't do. But if you find that's the case, uh, you don't have to do it. And if it causes you any pain, you don't do it. Just do what you're able to do, and that's enough. Any exercise is better than no exercise. Yeah. Because it stimulates endorphins, gets the heart beating. You've got me into the preaching mode here. <laughs> gets the heart yeah. beating, gets the breathing deeper, circulation boosted, and it raises one of the most important things, and that's endorphins mm -hmm. in the brain. Neurotransmitters help raise the serotonin, which is an antidepressant. Well, so that brings us to, the, uh... yes, that, and that, that, that's something I wanted to ask, um, moving now to the, your, the music side um, and the folk group that you lead. Um, 
one of my questions was going to be, why do you think people join folk groups like that? And I think you're, you're kind of answering that already with the, the joy that comes with music, the, even in a very, um, uh, like a ke chemical way that it, it releases endorphins, um, but I'm sure exactly. there's, there's more to it. Um, but are there any, but before we go there, for people who don't know, what is a folk group? Well, yeah, folk, yeah, folk music, I will tell you what I think folk music is. Folk music is just music of the people. It's music that anybody can play acoustically or do or sing without instruments. It's anything, basically. So anything can be folk music. And there are folk clubs which the members of which do some popular songs as well. And there are folks clubs that do just traditional things, but all of them will be something that they can do within the context of that room with acoustic instruments. Okay. Uh, obviously certain folk singers and songs have become uh, commercial and people make money that that's fine. That's okay. That's, that does happen. And there are uh, the folk, uh, there was a folk revival in the sixties with folk bands and things like this. Bob Dylan was considered a folk singer. Uh, you've got a, a steel ice span. You've got a fairport convention, people mm -hmm. like that. And there are still people today who do those things and that they sell money and make a living that way. That's fine. But anybody can go to a folk club and sing if they want to. And it's, it, it, so that's folk music in my opinion. Uh, uh, I tend towards more slightly between popular and folk and more towards the middle to the traditional side. Okay. And I like to sing a lot of traditional songs. And the thing I like about folk songs as I understand those more traditional ones is they can be about any subject in the world. Loss, death, loss of a loved one, loss of job, working conditions, sailing the seas, work songs for the seas, shanties and things like this. And also it can be about anything, not just like a, a, a lot of modern things, uh, um, which can, can be about many things, I suppose, but largely about love, you know, and, uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And I, I enjoy quite a few things like that, but these can be about anything anything at all mm. anything you any subject you care to mention there's likely to be songs about it and sometimes in the folk clubs i know ours uh, we used to have a theme night once a, a month where we might do uh, we might even do religious folk songs or we might do songs of the sea or we might mm. do work songs or songs of a loss of a loved one or something like that and you can have those kinds of things that for me is what i like about for, and the most and the other thing i might say this I sing songs. Now, uh, folk songs, because a lot of the more traditional ones tend to be anything up to hundreds of years old, they they change over time. Oral tradition is very interesting, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. you can hear a song many times and sing it, and without you knowing it, you've changed certain words without you knowing that you're doing that, and you get used to that and forget that that wasn't the original phrase or word. It may mean the same, but it isn't the same. But that's okay in folk songs. So you can get a folk song and it evolves and even different tunes to the same lyric, yeah. if you like, different tunes. Mm. And they all, they, the one doesn't replace the other. It comes alongside the other. Mm. And you'll hear maybe in the same folk club, possibly one person sing this song and then somebody sing a similar song in a different tune. And, uh, and, and that's wonderful. I had mm. uh, two songs um, called List for a Sailor or In List for a Sailor, one by the, the, the uh, 
the Martin Carthy, who's got an MBE for his uh, services to folk music. And another one was John Kirkpatrick. And they both did the same song, but two different versions with slightly different verses. And, and, different, and one was called List for a Sailor, and one was called The Unfortunate Tailor. And basically, this tailor's lost out to this sailor who is who is loved one has run off with type thing. But there were two separate songs and I put them together and made a separate narrative and put a chorus after each of those. I put two verses together, then a chorus, two yeah. verses, a chorus. And I, I, I was quite pleased with myself because I'd, I'd done, I'd basically I'd set another, almost another tradition mm-hmm. only to discover that originally there were one song anyway. Oh, interesting. And so what I'm saying is that's mm. what I like about folk songs. And so many phrases and things uh, appear in different songs, which are the same phrase, you know, are uh, lay me down and uh, the person who's lost his loved one, uh, lay me down and and, uh, put a cross at my, uh, what's the one? Um, Dig me a grave long, wide and deep and strew it all over with roses so sweet that I may lay down there and take a long sleep. And that's the way to forget her because he's lost is about this unfaithful, uh, not very unfaithful, this false bride who went and married another one instead. And then you get another song that will sing, um, lay me down with florets so sweet or primroses so sweet. And you get the same phrases. And that for me is the wonderful thing. And even if those things are written down notationally and lyrically, they will still change because people, oral tradition does inevitably change sometimes lyrics of songs and that's one of the things i love mm. about folk the people yeah. that come were asking me about why they come i'm sorry uh, i'm asking why they come people like to sing and singing i think uh, you know I, th- I think you know the old testament make a joyful noise you don't have to be a great singer you, uh, people enjoy and some people who sing in folk clubs aren't good singers but they sing and the folk club will listen to them give them the respect give them respect and listen to them. And if people are doing all sort of making a noise, people say, shh, best of order, please. And they'll let, so they'll show respect to that person because it takes courage to sing in front of people, however good or bad you may be, however instrumentally good or bad you may be. And folk clubs allow that thing to happen. So already they're paying due respect and they're giving, they're giving a sense of uh, value to people already, already mm-hmm. by just doing that. And then, of course, uh, they'll sing and people will improve because they've been given the Mm. platform to do that. And over months, years, musicians get better. The beach band, which is an instrumental thing, which isn't a sing-around group because there are sing-arounds where they just sing uh, and whether you use an instrument to sing with or not, that's the call sing-arounds. But a tune session is where you can get a whole host of different instruments, mandolas, mandolins, uh, dulcimers, guitars, banjos, D-whistles, recorders, clarinets, melodians, concertinas, uh, accordions, all sorts of instruments, tambourines, even drums. And they'll come together for the joy of playing these traditional tunes. And even if they're not good at them, we'll learn to be good at them. Now, if you'll let me, I'll just tell you something about the Scottish and the Irish traditions, which they're yeah. still strong, even in, even in childhood. But in England, I don't know, really, I can't speak too much about Wales, but in England, we've lost that connection somehow, so that folk music is separate, Cayley music is separate from what people do culturally in their youth. And you'll still get Irish 
children playing whistles and doing all sorts of things. You'll still get Scottish people doing all sorts of things. You'll still do, and Kayleigh's a big in, 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 in Ireland and Wales. But in Britain, you say to a lot of English people, I'm having a Kayleigh and they won't know what that is. Just and, really quick uh, for our audience, if they don't know what a Kayleigh is, can you just quickly define that? Well, in terms of what it really traditionally, uh, I'll tell you, the Scots person will tell you, it just means an evening of entertainment. But it's come to mean, it has come to me, and it can still mean that, by the way. And I try to do that in some of the caves I do, have somebody in the middle, halfway singing songs uh, uh, in the cave. But it has come to mean just folk dancing, you know, traditional okay. folk dancing. Thank the you. Scots and the Irish are brilliant at it. The English have lost that connection and not as good at it, though there are some who are good at it. And when I do a Cayley, uh, in, if, uh, if you go to a lot of Scottish Cayleys, they won't tell you how to do the dance. Don't just assume you know it. Uh, not all, of course, but largely. But you'll go to an English one, you'll have to give instructions before they do the dance mm -hmm. and then go, go through it just before they're to do that move so that they know what moves to do next. And that's in England. And you probably have experience of that yourself uh, in England. In Scotland, yeah. In Scotland, yeah. Uh, and and uh, and and, but I don't know whether what I'm saying, you 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 can corroborate that, you know. But certainly, in my experience, and I do call Kayleys, you have to tell people what to, and then just before they're about to do that movement, tell them what to do in the dance. Then they have great fun. Once they've done that, and if it's not too complicated, once they've done that a few times, then you can shut up and let them get on the way. But that's what often happens. But it's yeah. an evening of entertainment and usually okay. dance. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think, were you going to say anything more about, um, do you see your role as trying to bring that back to English people, trying to bring back that folk tradition? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yes, yes. To, to partly answer the, uh, part, I'll answer this in a way that partly answers the other question as well. People come to the tune sessions that we do to learn these tunes because most English people don't know them. So you'll get people coming to our sessions and they've got, uh, and they've seen it and they've thought, oh, they might be interested. Or they just wandering off the street, you know, into a pub room or something or other. And, uh, and they've never seen this before. And then they might come again with an instrument. Oh, I play guitar. Oh, I play whistle. Oh, I play recorder. Can I bring it? Yes. And we provide the music so that you can actually learn to play it. Because in a lot of Irish ones and a lot of Scottish ones, they don't need to do that because they already know the tunes oftentimes. And somebody will start in an Irish session, somebody will start it up and they'll just play along with it. But we don't have that in England. So we, so we provide the books so that it can play these wonderful tunes mm -hmm. and, and not just link with a tradition that we've lost somehow, but learn them afresh mm. and learn that they're exciting tunes and, uh, and learn them from scratch. And then over the weeks, they get better and better and faster and faster. Even if they're not good on their instrument, they can learn their instrument. And if, you, if you're not good at it and you're just learning a bit and you're maybe playing a, a recorder and you know little bits, you just play that little bit. You don't have to play the whole thing because there's 30 people in that room, maybe between 25 and 30, and they're not going to hear if you make a wrong note. So there's no pressure on anybody. Mm -hmm. You just do the bit that you can. And then over time, the confidence grows and you feel the joy of playing that music, you feel included because I've made you feel, and that's the other thing, I make sure I remember everybody's names again, make mm, yeah. sure I welcome everybody. That's what I learned, well, I learned uh, also, see, I saw an atheist who was the guy, one of the guys that I formed the, this folk club with, uh, he was, he challenged me sometimes because he was an atheist, he knew I was a Christian, but they, he used to welcome everybody. And if he'd been a Christian, he would have made a wonderful pastor. 
And I thought, yeah, I know that. I can do that. That's the thing. So I could work with him because we did the same things. It's just that he was an atheist. And mm. so when he sadly passed away, I just carried on this thing and just make people feel welcome, remember their names, they'll learn the music, they're learning new music, they're getting better on their instrument, they feel included, they're part of a community, and then we go out and do things for charity. And they sit in front of people that they've not sat in front of before, and they enjoy the fact that people are enjoying their contribution, their music. And we may have a bunch of 15 to 20 musicians or more, and some of them may be better than others, but together, what we produce is far, and it's, I know it's the cliche, isn't it? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And it is, it most definitely is. And not only do the people that are listening to it and the dancers enjoy that, the instrumentalists go away. They've enjoyed the fact that people have enjoyed them. Mm. It's a, it ticks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. It's psychologically mm-hmm. beneficial. It's socially beneficial, spiritually beneficial. It's, uh, uh, it, it brings people together to enjoy people together which unfortunately this pandemic has stopped mm. and and i know you were asking me about what we've done since now yeah. in the when we eased off after the first lockdown i was getting people i mean only about six or something or other uh, are thereabouts uh, usually to meet in a field and ironically it was quite next to a police um um horse and uh, no, dog dog training place as well as right next to a police place and sometimes you'd get more than than six and we were in this field and the ironic thing was we were only supposed to have six people yeah but there'd be a rugby match there with about ah. 30 people 15 aside playing and they were allowed to do that but we right. had to yeah. technically but if two or three more as long as they were a couple of meters away i didn't say go away and we're right next to a police station. Nobody ever bothered us. And you'd only see the occasional jogger. So I'm sorry. I did actually break the rule a little bit there, but I thought that was in the, uh, you know, a safe context outside. Obviously, as the, the season got colder, we had to stop doing that. You know, come September, we did our last in September and then we had the next lockdown. And I tried to keep people informed, but we've not really been able to. Some people have done some things on uh, together on Zoom. And of course, there are folk clubs where you can sing, as indeed in the same way that I'm, I can see you. I know that others can't see me, but I can see you on Zoom and uh, and they can see each other, but you can only have one person doing something at one time because okay. that's the nature of it. Yeah. But that's the way it is. Mm. And when we get out again, and the other exciting thing is we've got another tunes book coming out. Uh, we've we've uh, edited, they're all, you know, they're no, they don't belong to any of the traditional tunes, but we've done seven editions to date, up to date, and this seventh edition is about seven years old now. So hopefully, in the next year or so, we've got people working on it. We'll get uh, a, a new edition of the Beach Band tune, but with all these jigs, reels, polkas, planksters, waltzes. I said waltzes already. Um, oh goodness knows what I can't think of. Uh, whatever polkas and things, and and we'll have probably another fifty more than we have here. We're probably about one hundred and thirty, uh, but. Uh, we got we've got the 76 pages but each have two or three tunes okay on. wow we'll probably have we'll have, probably have a 100 pages with two or three tunes on now is so that available to the public to purchase or anyone if anyone wants to contact you and contact me and buy one i mean we'll make them as cheaply as possible uh, but they're welcome they don't they're not they're not copyright the, the traditional tunes from goodness knows where you know there are one or two tunes that are copyright but they won't be in here Okay, and uh, and people can play, but the, the, that's that's the a very minute atomic part of a percentage 
because most traditional tunes are all hundreds of years old and don't belong to anybody yeah. and belong yeah. to everybody. Can we hear you play a song to give the audience a, an example of the kind of music that you play? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, I, I like to play more, um, I stepped away from the microphone there, I hope you could hear me. Yeah. I, uh, I play, um, I told you that there are clubs that play popular things and call themselves folk clubs, which is fine. And the people that play more traditional things and, and the folk clubs and, that, and the, there's a, you know, there's a whole host of clubs in between those two. And I, uh, I like to play slightly more traditional things, though I do play a few popular songs and even popular folk songs that people would recognize. But uh, uh, some 25 years ago, I came across this song in a folk club in uh, uh, near Manchester in a place called Staley Bridge. And uh, it's a Scottish song, actually. And, and it's a Scottish song. And the lyrics tell you it's a Scottish song because the second verse says, I go to the Clyde. So River Clyde. But it was collected somewhere in the Appalachians in the United States. And that's, that's I may just say at this point, that's another wonderful thing about folk tunes they have so much history that sometimes people will enjoy telling you about and sometimes that i mean they really are it is interesting and enjoyable to hear where a song came from um, and what it came out of like you know um people uh, down the mines or uh, when the looms were smashed and they were out of work or whatever it was stuff like that poverty and things like that and all sorts of things but this one's a it's a love song and it's called uh, Black is the Colour. And it's black is the colour of my true love's hair. And I'm going to sing that one now. This, this for me, as soon as I heard it, I loved it. And over the years, and I remember I was talking to you about oral tradition, it slightly changed. And I think how I've changed it and interpreted it in playing it and mm. the way I play it on the guitar might be slightly different from others. And I think you can find others on YouTube if you ever look for Black is the Colour okay. and you'll see. But that's okay. Difference is fine. Okay, black is the colour, if I can play it now. Black is the colour of my true love's hair Her lips are like some roses fair She has the sweetest smile I'm the gentlest hand And I love the ground On which she stands I love my love And well she knows I love the ground On which I pray the day it soon will come and she and I will be as one. I think I've slightly got a string out of tune, but never mind. I go to the Clyde and I mourn and weep for satisfied. I never will be I write her a letter Just a few short lines 
I suffer death a thousand times. The winters pass and the leaves are green. The time has passed that we have seen. But still I pray the time will come when she and I will be as one. So fare thee well, my own true love. The time has passed. But I wish you well But still I hope The time will come When you and I Will be as one For black is the color Of my true love's hair Her lips are like some roses fair She has the sweetest smile And the gentlest hands And I love the ground On which she stands And I love the ground On which she stands Wow, that's really beautiful. Thank you, Ken, for playing that. Apologies, the guitar was slightly out of tune, but I'm sorry about that. I didn't hear that. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry, I, I did. Okay. <laughs> well, as I as I was listening to that uh, and thinking about our conversation too, um, that song, I can imagine how people connect with that song. It's um, love, uh, a, a bit of grief. Um, love in various levels uh, for another person, for, for, the, for the earth. Um, and, and that's something, a theme that I kind of hear through both your work in therapy and music, that it's, it's, uh, con it's about connecting with people on a human level. And, and a song like that is an example of how that kind of breaks barriers, I think, because people can relate to those experiences. And, and through that relation, uh, there's that there's a connection that you, that you make with other people. I told you that uh, uh, as part of my work, some many years ago now, I've worked with the NHS for 29 years now. Uh, uh, I did reminiscence groups and I did um, sing. I started the week at Withington Hospital with a sing around, and they'd be we'd have this ward we had, which became the uh, recreation unit was a place that was decorated and made so it didn't look like a ward. It was, didn't have beds in it. It was just, and would have, would arrange tables rather like a cafe around the room. And uh, Monday morning would start with me doing a sing around. And I'd do it in the same way that I did those nursing homes. I would be in the middle, I'd have an amplifier somewhere in the middle, I'd have a microphone uh, connecting my guitar and my voice, and I'd be listening to people, chatting with people, and things would make me think of songs and would sing them together. 
and uh, and uh, uh, it was therefore music therapy. It's music mm -hmm. therapy. It's not just having a good sing song, though it is having a good sing song, because it 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 uh, it make, it's, makes you feel good. Singing is is a thing that's very spiritually as uh, and socially and psychologically a healthy thing. And when we're singing together, singing brings people together. Sing, you know, in the old um, FA Cup finals, you used to have sing uh, people conducting singing at the beginning, which seems a bit quaint these days. And the the thing that even football crowds do the songs of their team mm. makes them together. Mm. It puts them together. Now we know that it's together as opposed to the other team's supporters who are together, but it cements that group of people together. Mm -hmm. It's on a personal level and a, and a collective level. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. So Monday mornings would be singing together, listening to what people were saying, singing the songs that, that those things they said made me think of and would sing them together, which made them feel good on another level too, because they made me think of a song, they, or even they might even suggest a song, and I'm singing it, we're all singing it mm. together. And I have to say, and I don't know uh, how long you want me to carry on, but I'm going to say this, and uh, that I love what I do. I've always loved what I do. And that's not just a twee thing, I, I get paid for having a good time. I enjoy what I do. So, and, 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 uh, uh, and I know that in the course of a day's work or a week's work, we have frustrations, uh, administrative issues. We have this, that, and the other. We get up with a headache or whatever it is we do and think, but I can say it's been a privilege to do my work. And it still is a privilege to do my work. I'm not going to tell them, but if I would have probably volunteered to do this for nothing at one, you know, I, I would have mm -hmm. done this but I'm working for the NHS and I get paid for it. Uh, and, and, and I suppose, you know, that's right. I need to, and a uh, workman is worthy of his hire, but I enjoy what I do. And it's a privilege to do. And the other beauteous thing about it in my job, my manager, who is my line manager, can't do my job. She trusts that I will do my job and she knows that I will do my job. She's seen me do it many, many, many times and knows that even if she wasn't there, I'd give it the same 100% that I would and give it the same enthusiasm and joy that I would any other time. And I have had bad times in my life, but they've never been expressed to any of the patients and, and residents and people that I work with. They don't know. They hear me singing, they hear me whistling, and they don't know that I have issues sometimes at home and I'm struggling with something. But that's that's because that's not why I'm there. <laughs> I am there to, 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 to take them, me, my joy, and make them feel better about themselves and, and enjoy joy with me. I had a, a vicar of uh, Emmanuel in Didsby, one day that just came to visit uh, the Burton House Withings Hospital at a time when I was doing that Monday morning session. And he wrote some absolutely wonderful words about what I was doing. <laughs> and because he could see the spiritual nature of the secular job mm -hmm. that I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and that was encouraging to me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, I think, a very fitting place for us to uh, finish our conversation with that image of, of how your work um, blurs the line between heaven and earth, it seems, through, through how you 
relate to other people, how you um, you connect with people, not as clients, but as people and, and bring joy to them. And, um, and not to say that you don't have your challenges as every job will have its challenges, but um, you're able to, to work through them and, and uh, not bring the, not, um, not bring those challenges to the forefront, but work through them hope in, in a healthy way. And, um, and as you say, it's, it's blurring that line between the sacred and the secular that, um, and, and that's, and so, so thank you for, for this conversation and for, for, yeah, you, you have an, you have some more to say. May I just say one more thing? And that, I yeah. think this, this, this wraps up for me. I don't see a difference. I mean, when I'm in church, I'm worshiping, specifically worshiping, but where I am, wherever I am, I'm not different from where I would be anywhere else. Uh, I, I, I don't try to be, uh, I don't try to uh, exclude people with a religious language. Uh, I, I don't try, I am just, I'm, I'm, and I try to be 24 seven what I am, wherever I am. Now, I'm not to say that I'm perfect or I don't have a headache, or I, I, I'm sometimes, I might get irritable, but I'm keenly aware of that when it happens, probably after the event. But what I'm trying to say is that I try to be what I am, wherever I am. And I am a Christian. So I can't stop being a Christian just because I'm at, at, at the NHS or when I'm going to a nursing home or when I'm out with my friends doing tunes at the beach band or when I'm calling a Kaylee. It's the same me wherever I am. And so I take, so if you want to be, if you want to wrap it up in, uh, and forgive me putting this way, if you want to wrap it up in religious language, I take Christ with me, in me. Now, uh, I fail, and that's what forgiveness is about. But I still take him with me 24-7. Thank you very much, Ken. That's, um, that's, uh, your your story is a helpful um, is a helpful image for me and um, and I hope for our listeners as well of taking Christ with you wherever you go and and bringing him to the world where you are. Um, so you mentioned just uh, really quickly you mentioned a book that people can um, can purchase and if anyone is interested in that it's called the Beach Band Tune Book and Beach is not. Uh, a beach with sand and the sea, but the, the tree, beach tree, B-E-E-C-H, uh, seventh edition. And if you'd like to- It'll be the eighth edition. It will be the oh, eighth, eighth edition. Out. Okay. Uh, you can email um, the foreshadow email and I can put you in touch with Ken. And that email address is foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com. And uh, you can also visit our website at foreshadowmagazine.com where we post new work every week. And um, I just want to thank Ken again. Thank you, Ken, for taking the time with sharing your stories, your experience, your, um, your joy um, and with, with us today. And, and I, I hope and trust that you will continue sharing that joy and sharing Christ um, and humanity with people at, in the days ahead um, as lockdown is um, decreasing. Hopefully you can, you can gather in new ways, both musically and with your work, uh, therapy work as well. So thank you, Ken, for taking the time again today. If you liked today's conversation or any of the other content that we publish, please do share this with people that you think would enjoy them. And thank you for listening. And thanks again to Ken. 
That's our forecast for today.